today we're going to be reading from Acts chapter 4, verse 23 to 31. Again, that's Acts chapter 4, verse 23 to 31, if you wouldn't mind turning in your Bibles. Hear now the word of the Lord. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of the father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and the signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Holy Trinity downtown, and greetings on this first Sunday in November and the Sunday before the election. It would not be an exaggeration to say that our whole country and perhaps even the whole world is on their tiptoes at the moment in anticipation of what will happen on election day, who will be elected and what will happen. The New York Times just a couple of days ago spoke of Americans surging to the polls and somebody saying, I'm going to vote like my life depends upon it. And they're predicting that we will surpass 150 million votes for the first time in history. Chicago is also preparing itself. Uh, the Sun-Times ran an article yesterday that spoke of Lori Lightfoot's 10-day preparedness and safety plan and how she was criticized by aldermen and other city leaders about being caught flat-footed after the death of George Floyd and all that came in those days. What will happen in the great cities of North America in the next 10 days? What will happen, for instance, in Portland with the unrest that has continued there for many months? What will happen in Chicago? Will the looting that happened this summer return and come back to us? Or more broadly speaking, how should we as Christians respond to this cultural unrest, to the sense of chaos? Is there a way to be calm in all of it? It's interesting, the timing of our text, because it really does refer to the confidence and even the joy of God's people in the midst of great conflict and turmoil. What we're going to see in our text today is very simple, which is that there's this kind of prayer, a kind of spontaneous prayer that in the book of Acts really advances the mission forward. And so I want you to put the election for a second just to the side and think about the topic and subject of prayer and ask yourself a few questions. Do you really know how to pray? Is it possible to learn the skill of praying, is that something that can be developed over time? Is there something that we can learn? 
from the first century church about authentic Christianity, but more about authentic prayer? Is it possible to strengthen ourselves with an authentic prayer life? That's what I invite you to look at with me today. We're going to talk about something that I'm going to call uh, authentic spontaneous prayer, or if you want a little bit longer depiction, it's authentic mission advancing spontaneous prayer that we'll see in this text. So will you pray with me and uh, ask God to shape Holy Trinity, to shape each one of us into more of a praying people that respond to the idea that he sits on the throne with great confidence. Will you bow with me in prayer? Father in heaven, we, we do bow before you and uh, we pray for a country right now, Lord. We pray for peace. We pray for your will to be done. We pray for Christians to shine like lights in the darkness. We pray against compromise. Lord, we uh, are tender before you and ask that you might give us hope and give us help. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. What we're going to look at today is five characteristics. I know it's a lot. And so stay with me because we're going to go quickly through them. But five characteristics of authentic, spontaneous, uh, mission advancing prayer. And uh, it, please keep a Bible open. If you want to jot some notes down, that's great. But the very first thing I want to show you is that this authentic, spontaneous prayer needs something, which is friends on mission. Look at verse 23 and what it says in chapter four, verse 23. It says, when, when they were released, now that is John and Peter who were released from the Sadducees who had taken them in because they had done this miracle that um, had caused a, a kind of ruckus in Jerusalem at that time. It says, when, when they were released, I love this little phrase. It's, for me, it's a little unexpected. It says, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. Now, I love that little phrase there because I normally think of prayer that happens in the prayer closet or prayer that happens at church or in the assembly. But here it's just, these are friends <laughs> on mission. And when they come together, they lift their voices. If you want to uh, be someone who is committed to this kind of kingdom advancing prayer, it's good, yes, to pray on your own, but it should be a, almost a kind of spontaneous thing that happens with other people around you as you are going through your life and as you are living your life. This wasn't planned. You know, many of you, if you're raised in the church, you feel like prayer is boring. Prayer is dry or prayer is dull. This isn't. This prayer here is responsive, it's dynamic, it's spontaneous. They lifted their voices. And friends, God is available. If you think of prayer being simply the language of conversing with God, they knew that if they went to him at that moment, they would be able to pray. If you're looking for some resources on prayer, uh, E.M. Bounds is a fantastic author on prayer, very dynamic. Uh, the Praying Life is a great book on prayer that I would recommend as well. It's interesting because in the book of Acts, at least seven times the mission moves forward through a kind of prayer meeting. The people gathering together like in Acts 2, 42 to 47, and then here as well. We'll see it again later in Acts 13. But What's happening is this mission is moving forward. And so 
I just want to say to friends of Holy Trinity Church, let's be friends on mission. Let's let's be people who commit to be being this kind of praying, spontaneous friends. I was listening to a song yesterday as I was preparing. It's uh, by Will Reagan of United Pursuit. And in it, he says, help me to find my own flame. Help me to find my own fire. And what he's saying is I, I don't want to live off someone else's flame or someone else's fire. These these people together had a kind of flame of passion that wasn't borrowed from someone else. And in his song, he says, if there's no better time than to find this kind of flame. So that's characteristic number one of this spontaneous uh, kingdom advancing prayer, as we see in verse 23, that what it really requires is just some other people who become friends on mission. And, and that word friends is important to me just because um, I think we see this, especially in our intentional Christian communities in our, in our city, that as people have moved into communities together, they really knit their hearts together in a way that they depend on one another. And I think it happens in our prayer calls to some degree. And I think it happens in our community groups as well. So that's the first characteristic is that this kind of authentic, spontaneous prayer requires friends on mission. But secondly, you, and you can see this in, the, in uh, verse 24, what happens is that the friends reorient themselves to the presence of God, but particularly to the presence of God as the creator and as the Lord of the universe. So look at how these friends then reorient themselves in this moment to God as the creator, as the, the Lord of the heavens and earth. Keep in mind that in chapter four, verse 17, when they leaders had brought Peter and John before them, it says that they, verse 17, they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And they said, they charged them not to speak, verse 18, or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John said, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than men, you must be judged, but we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So when they came together, they turned their, their hearts up to the Lord. Verse 24 says this, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, sovereign Lord, listen to the description who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They reorient themselves to who God is. And the, the word sovereign Lord there is actually just one word in the Greek and it's despotes, which is like it, it, we get our word despot from, but it's someone who owns something. And they're referring to God as like the owner of all things. And they're referring to what he did, he made the heavens and the earth and the sea. In other words, as they start to orient themselves to the Lord, it's like they say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, begins to change their perspective as they orient themselves to who God is as the ruler of all. Think of it. Look, at when you come to the Lord in prayer, you should call him Abba, Father, Daddy, Papa. But he is also our heavenly father. And so our demeanor in coming to him and what I'm calling authentic 
kingdom advancing or mission advancing spontaneous prayer really reorients itself, not to the chaos of the world, but to the control and the calm of God in his throne room. So one, you gotta have these friends for spontaneous kingdom advancing prayer. Two, you also need to reorient yourself to who God is. You wanna learn how to pray? This is what our text is telling us. Three, here's the third thing that happens with this authentic, spontaneous prayer. It's immersed in the scriptures. In other words, they orient themselves to God as creator and also to God as revealer, to his creation and his revelation. We see that in verse 25. So this is the third characteristic. It says, who through the mouth of David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why do the nations rage or why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? In other words, the idea here on the third concept or the third characteristic of this kind of authentic prayer is that it not only orients itself to the living God, but it orients itself and immerses itself in the scriptures. Now, I know there are people, skeptics, who say, I don't really know how to pray. And one of the best places to learn how to pray is in the Psalms. If you want, if you want to see the time-tested prayers of God's people in the Old Testament, then on into the New Covenant, both Jews and Christians, it's really in the Psalms that people learn how to pray. Annie Dillard has this uh, humorous description in Holy the Firm about how casually we come before God sometimes, that we, we should actually come before him with sort of like helmets on and with a shield in a sense because of, and, and praying time-tested prayers. But what, what she's saying is that if you want to learn how to pray, then, then turn to the Psalms to learn how to pray. And that's what they do here. The, the New Testament church that birthed this authentic Christianity, when they needed to go to God in prayer, not always, but often were immersed in God's word. Uh, we've been still having these prayer calls during the week and you're welcome to join it. You don't need to feel guilty. If you can't be there, it's fine. One of our elders, David Pickens, has been leading through Psalm 119 and one of our other elders called me this week and said that uh, somehow the prayer call got separated into two calls. And so both groups were looking for the other group, but they, but. The, the group that couldn't find David Pickens' group was sad because David has been leading them through the Psalms, through Psalm 119, and, and helping the people to pray. So if you really, if you want to learn this kind of kingdom advancing prayer, then you have to be immersed also, particularly in the Psalms. And I'll say one other thing about this. And seeing the Psalms as you read them as being fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, this is really important um, to learn the language of the Psalms in prayer, but also to learn um, that Christ is ultimately the fulfillment of them. There was a time when I was really wrestling with, with something and uh, I'd never prayed a, may have shared this before, never prayed an imprecatory prayer before, but I, I that day was shoveling in my yard because it was a snowstorm. And um, I hit 
a bump as I'm shoveling and I decided to listen to my this psalm of the day, which was Psalm 35, and God really used it to, to kind of declare for me that he was going to fight his battles on my behalf. Um, it speaks there about God raising up the, the shield and the buckler and, and taking uh, the defense of his own children. So the third thing that you, that uh, spontaneous authentic prayer does is that it immerses itself in scriptures and lets scriptures be its voice. So if you're looking for a place to begin to train yourself to pray, Psalms are a great place to do that. I recommend Psalms like Psalm 103 is a wonderful one. Psalm 67 is fantastic, it's very short. Psalm 22 is focused on the cross or to just pick up a Psalm every day to read it, to immerse yourself. Somebody in the group, as they were praying on that day, realized this is a reference to Psalm 2. And I'm gonna ask you to turn there now as we think about the, the next point that we're looking at, which is not that authentic, spontaneous prayer is immersed in the scriptures, but fourth, that spontaneous, authentic prayer also expects that Jesus's rule, that God's rule will be opposed, but that that opposition is futile, futile. It's not really going to do anything and that it's really fulfilled in this. So um, our text, I'm gonna read from verse 25 of our text, which says, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, in other words, God is actually speaking in the Psalms, why do the nations rage? Why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers are gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Now, the word anointed there in the Hebrew is Mashiach and it's where we get the, the term Messiah from. So when it says anointed, it's actually speaking of the Messiah or another translation is Christ. So Jesus Christ is not merely sort of his second name or his last name. It's a title which says that he is the Messiah and the anointed one. And what it says in Psalm 3, through the ministry of David and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, sorry, Psalm 2, oh Lord, why do the nations rage? Why do the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Verse four says, he who sits in heaven laughs and the Lord holds them in derision. And then verse six says, what he's going to do is put his king on the holy hill and then he gives to him the nations and makes them his inheritance. And the response of the people is therefore to be wise. But I need you to, to flip back to Acts if you are, are in uh, the book of Psalms with me. And I just want you to see what happens then as the prayer continues in the in this section here. They move from speaking about, it's really important you see a couple words here. So take, take your text and look at it. It speaks of the anointed one at the end of verse six. And then if you look, uh, a little bit later, it speaks of the anointed one again in verse 27. Your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. So in their prayer, they're looking back to Psalm 2, but then they're saying this is what happened. It speaks of the kings of the earth and the rulers gathering together. What they're saying is that's Herod, that's Pontius Pilate. Those rulers have gathered together against them. And so there's a kind of confidence that comes for those people on that day because they realize 
that none of this is actually out of God's control when the nations are raging, when rulers seem to be in defiance of who God is. Many of you, most of you, perhaps have already voted. You got a mail-in ballot and uh, sent it in. You checked your boxes and then walked it to the mailbox, opened the mailbox and inserted it. Or some of you perhaps are waiting till election day to, to, to vote in per- person. What Psalm 2 is saying in one sense is, guess what, friends? God has already voted. <laughs> he voted that Christ is the one who will rule on the throne forever and no one can depose him. His election cycle, his cycle of reign is, it's four years perhaps, but it's renewed to eternity. So there is no change with the one who will sit upon the throne. Despite whatever happens in this election, friends, Christ will remain upon the throne. And yes, there will be opposition in the day of Peter and John. Yes, there will be opposition. And some of the opposition will be from people who call themselves the children of God, but the Son of God will continue to remain on the throne. Jesus is on the throne. We don't know what's gonna happen. We don't know if Joe Biden will win. We don't know if Donald Trump will win. We don't know if our country will be plunged into darkness. We don't know if Roe v. Wade perhaps will be overturned. We don't know if our country could somehow dissolve into civil war or that some of our cities will burn. But what the text says is that the nations will rage, but that Christ is secure upon his throne. And that is what snaps this group to attention in this moment as the friends on mission begin to pray and orient themselves to the creator God and think about his revelation as they immerse themselves in the scripture. They have a kind of confidence because they realize that God had not only predicted this, but even predetermined the opposition of the son of God. Last thing I wanna say is that authentic, spontaneous prayer seeks personal change. Spontaneous, authentic prayer seeks personal change. Listen to verses 29 to 31, what they say. It says, and now Lord, look upon their threats and grant in your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. I mean, if you think about how I probably would have prayed that prayer after Peter and John had been locked up and were um, told they couldn't speak, I, I probably would pray, God, give us freedom. Help us to not be persecuted by other people. Change how the government is responding to us. And what they do is they say, no, 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 Lord. Instead of trying to change the external circumstances, they ask God to change how they respond to the external circumstances and their internal state of being. They ask for is boldness and clarity, man. Wouldn't that be amazing if we could be humble enough to be anointed by God with boldness? Is that not what is needed in this day and age? They say, 
Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And then listen, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what? Listen to how it was answered. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Friends, it's right for us to want to change our culture. It's right for us to want to see change in our city and our government. But where do we start? I love this about how they prayed. They started with themselves. Yes, they wanted to change their culture, but they said, God, begin the change within us and give us this kind of boldness. My son was joking this week, my 18 year old son, and uh, he's just referencing the song by Michael Jackson. You wanna make the world a better place, better look at yourself and make that change. And uh, I just wanna challenge you to that. Challenge all of us to look at our own lives and ask God to begin to change us. I know some of you say, I'm so tired, I don't think I can change. And I would encourage you to find in your weakness the presence of God. So Holy Trinity, what if, what if we found friends who were on mission what if we could spontaneously, just when something erupts, whether something happens in our lives where we go through a trial, but we call each other to spontaneous prayer. What if we could lift our voices then to the creator? What if we could hear the voice of God in the book of Psalms? What if we could find our confidence after immersing ourselves in scripture in the resurrected one? That's where their confidence really was that Christ was the resurrected one and the anointed one. You see, the true story of the world is the person of Christ resurrected from the dead, forgiving our sins. And, and like these men who are spoken of as being uneducated, common men, but they recognize that they had been with Jesus. Holy Trinity, may we be people who are with Jesus. Think of it, friends. This week, work on your spontaneous prayer a little bit to lift your eyes to heaven, to think through the scriptures, to think of Jesus Christ as the one who's on the throne. But, but think over time how you can infect other people with that kind of attitude of prayer if you're willing to simply say, let's lift our voices to God in prayer. It's the spontaneous prayers of God's people that moves the missions forward. So let's commit ourselves to this kind of prayer. In the name of Christ, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for these brave souls, these courageous ones, and ask that we would have the same kind of courage as them, O Lord. Move the mission forward, but most of all, move it forward in our hearts and lives. Pray this in the name of Christ, amen.